Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, Vet Neefield discusses the prevalence of disease in dairy cows nationally and why healthy herds are more profitable herds. Healthy animals are productive animals um, and also where your animals are healthy and you're not having to treat them and get the vet out uh, for various illnesses and diseases, you're saving yourself a lot of time and stress and inevitably you're saving yourself a lot of money. So I think in general it it should be high up on the agenda and I think most Irish farmers are fairly concerned about the the health of their animals. And if we look at the you know, the main illnesses and diseases on farm, like what are the main offenders? Well, currently at the minute in terms of infectious diseases, um, a lot of dairy farmers will be very familiar with um, the likes of IBR, a very common virus um, in the Irish dairy industry. Um, Also, things like Yone's disease is increasing in prevalence all the time. It's currently about 35% of farms have it. Um, you also have leptospirosis that people would be regularly vaccinating for. It's still out there. You know, people need to keep vaccinating for it. Um, then obviously, I think you've talked before about lameness. It's still a very common um, health issue and um, can lead to a lot of problems on farms. Um, and then things like your metabolic diseases, we'd still come across every spring. So your milk fevers, um, your you know negative energy balance and displaced epimesums. I know we're, we're we're a bit off from spring, but as you mention it, you know, your milk fever, ketosis, displaced abomasums, you know, the, the common things we're seeing on farms. As I say, we're, we're a bit far out now at this stage, but are there anything we can, is there anything we can do um, in late autumn and into the winter to reduce these issues on farm come spring? Well, all those kind of metabolic conditions um, that you would see in spring, they're they're generally a risk of the transition period from the cow being dry um, and her calving and going um, into the lactation cycle. So um, it does, your preparation to prevent those type of diseases really does start back um, at the dry off uh, time of the year. Um, Number one, you know, on your agenda should be body condition score of of your herd of cows. Um, A cow that's too fat or too thin is much more likely to have problems with the likes of milk fever, um, ketosis and all those those kind of things in spring. So at dry off, you should be assessing the body condition of your cows um, and maybe, you know, intervening with the, the fat ones and the thin ones, separating them into different groups for extra feeding or maybe adding a bit more straw into the diet of the ones that are too fat. Um, also, you know, the dry cow diet is very important in terms of minerals. So one of the best things you can do to try and reduce your risk of getting milk fever problems in spring is to have the correct balance of minerals in the diet. So magnesium is very, very important. You know, every dry cow should be getting at least an extra 20 grams of magnesium per day supplemented into her diet during the dry period. Um, and you know, if you can do silage analysis um, each year and and see what your mineral content of your silage is before you start feeding it, you'll have a better idea maybe of how much supplementation you're going to need. Um, and if you're that, if you do that type of preparation as far back, you know, as late autumn, early winter, you'll be setting yourself up well for a, a good transition period. Talk figures now, Neve. In terms of body condition score, dry off. Where do you want the cow? 
Well, at dry off, you know, you'd expect your cows to hopefully be at at minimum 2.75 on the five point scale. Um, But anything above that is also well up to up to maybe 3.25 is also fine, you know, between 2.75, 3.25. And then at calving is is critical. You want your cows calving down in a body condition of between three and 3.5. Um, and that any fatter than that or any thinner than that, you know, you're you're potentially running the risk of problems, especially of milk fever. It's it's hugely linked to um, to body condition. And in terms of infectious disease, diseases, if we turn our attention back to that, you mentioned things like IBR, yonis, lepto on farms. How can farmers find out if they have those diseases? Um, well, one of the simplest things a farmer can do, you know, if he's not vaccinating for, for lepto or he's not vaccinating for anything, is he can take a bulk milk sample um, from his bulk milk tank, preferably when all the cows are, or majority of the cows are, are going into the tank. And he can do a general screen of that for antibodies and get an idea. Now, things like IBR, you know, you could have about 10% of your cows infected with IBR and they, you won't show up positive on the bulk tank. But it's a good initial screen and it doesn't cost much money. It doesn't take much time. Um, then after that, you're looking at maybe getting your vet out to take some blood samples, maybe six blood samples at least from each management group from your your maybe your older cows, your first lactation animals, your um, in calf heifers, and that'll give you an also a bit of a screen. Um, so yeah, those are those are initial screening type methods you could do to see what you're dealing with, um, and also just talking to your vet about maybe what if you're seeing any clinical signs. You know, do you have you know, do the cows drop in milk, you know, every so often? Um, are you seeing snotty noses? Um, are you seeing pneumonias and those type of things? Yeah. And talk about prevalence, like what would be an indicator of, of these type of infectious diseases on farm? So you mentioned drop of milk. But yeah. Anything else? Um, so IBR, you'd, you'd often see milk drop. Um, you'd also see coughing, you know, and you would see snotty noses. It can be if your herd has never been exposed to IBR before, it can you know be quite severe, um, and you you may lose animals, um, quite quickly. Uh, but in general, you, you'd have some pneumonias, um, and some snotty nose type symptoms, and they'd usually have a high fever. Um, things like lepto can be a little bit harder to um to isolate. You can get drops in the milk as well, um, and an initial fever, but it can be hard to put your finger on it. Obviously, it also causes abortion as well. Um, in in herds, salmonella similarly would would be an, generally an abortion type presentation. Um, and cows slipping calves, um, and also scours. So, they all have very varying presentations, and sometimes it can be quite confusing. So, where farmers are concerned, they should try and sit down and have a chat with their vet, and maybe get the vet out to have a look at some of the animals. You mentioned coughing and that's something that farmers are, are have seen over the last couple of months on mm. farms. Would that be an IBR effect or do you see it as something else on farms? Um, well, this summer there has been quite a lot of lungworm um, around the country. Um, it seems to have been you know, a bigger issue than normal this year. Um, obviously, IBR can be implicated still in a lot of cases and where there is a lungworm problem, if IBR isn't controlled on a farm, it can also just add to the problem that's there with lungworm. Um, but yeah, in general, lungworm, this, you know, in midsummer, early autumn, tends to be the main offender when it comes to a lot of cows coughing. 
in terms then of prevalence of diseases, you know, you mentioned things like yonis. You know, 35% of herds in the country now have yonis. Is the prevalence of individual diseases increasing on farms across the country or are they standing still? Um, well, I think in general they are have been increasing in recent years. Um, yonis has generally been poorly controlled in the country um, up until recent years. Um, it's a very hard one to diagnose on farm. You know, the, the test methods aren't that reliable. Um, but we do have a national control programme rolled out to all dairy farmers this year. Um, and it is still slowly creeping up, but we're, you know, the industry is now, you know, deciding to take action and hopefully in years to come, it will start to reduce or even slow down the amount it's spreading. Um, we're more fortunate with the likes of BVD. You know, it's not gone yet, but it has been a big success um, as a control programme and it's reducing every year. And I think that's made a saving of something like 85 million in one year for farmers um, through, you know, having the disease controlled nationally. Um, IBR is pre- very prevalent, like I said, in dairy herds. About 80% have antibodies to IBR. But um, the marker vaccine, the IBR marker vaccine is in widespread use now and it, it is very good um, at helping farmers to control it on farm. And IBR is definitely one that farmers could eradicate from their herd um, if they if they wanted to and they were willing to, to put in the time into it. Just back to uh, BVD there for a minute. You said that, you know, it has decreased significantly. What sort of level are you seeing at the moment? Um, well, in terms of calves that tested positive on the tissue tag testing in, in 2018, we have the figures for that for the full year. And I think there was 0.06% of calves um, tested positive on the, the ear notch. Um, compare that to 2013 when the tissue tag testing was first rolled out and there was 0.6% of calves. So it's about a tenfold decrease um, in the amount of calves that um, are testing positive. So it, that that in itself has made uh, provided a huge saving to farmers in terms of their animal health um, because BVD, where it's in a herd, you know, causes huge problems. Um, but we still have a bit of a way to go in, in wiping it out completely. And then if we look towards, you know, you mentioned there is the potential to eradicate some of these diseases through vaccination. You know, what is the function of a vaccination? Well, when you're talking about vaccines, um, I like to use the analogy of the three-legged stool when it comes to preventing infectious disease in an animal. So one leg of the stool is the animal's own immunity, um, and that's where vaccination can help. The other leg of the stool is um, the animal's general environment. So the stress the animal's under, um, the type of housing facilities they're in, the type of feeding they get. Um, And the final leg of the stool would be the amount of exposure to that particular bug or virus the animal gets. So the hygiene, um, how much dung is around that contains the bug. So if any one of those legs of the stool is broken, you know, the whole thing will topple over. So vaccination plays an important role on one leg role on one leg of the stool in propping up the immunity and making sure that's strong. But it can be overcome if you know, say a calf was exposed to loads of adult faeces, you know, the Rotavec vaccine isn't going to work, you know, on its own. But they do play an important role, especially, I think, you know, in terms of IBR, it it can make huge, um, huge differences on a farm. And to take it a step further then, and, and just use an example, we're both dairy farmers and 
I'm vaccinating for absolutely nothing and you're vaccinating for everything possible on the market. So, you know, we're both probably not right, but what what's your comment on that? What should we vaccinate for? Well, I think farmers need to be informed of their own situation when it comes to deciding on whether they need to vaccinate for various infections. Um, you know, your level of biosecurity that you practice on a farm will be important in that decision. You know, if you have a completely closed herd and you don't buy in anything and you've done the screening and you know your herd is free from everything, you know, you could probably get away with um, with not vaccinating for anything. Um, and But you'd want to be very careful that you keep up a very strong level of biosecurity. Where a farmer has different types of goals and he's buying and selling a bit and he's maybe not too concerned about what he's buying in, you know, he'd do well to be vaccinating for almost everything um, because he's running the risk that he will buy something in. So um, it depends on the individual farm and the individual farmer, you know, what their goals are and, and the way they operate. In terms then of um, the closed herd, um, like you mentioned that and where you have a completely closed herd and your biosecurity is strong, there may be no need to vaccinate. I suppose just to be clear on that, can you define a closed herd? Well, a closed herd would tip people would typically say that they don't buy in any animals. But, you know, that literally means you don't bring anything from outside in onto the farm. So a, a standard one that might trip people up is, say, they bring calves to the mart. Um, but a couple of those calves maybe don't sell. They bring those calves then back home to the farm. That's, you know, that's not being a closed herd. Um, and I think in general from department figures, they say from their records um, in terms of truly closed herds, they can only see about 4% of Irish farms are truly closed. Um, but then, you know, that's in terms of animals, but you could have a closed herd that doesn't buy anything. But if you yourself are um, are bringing in maybe slurry contractors, borrowing machine machinery off people that may contain you know, manure from other farms, if you're borrowing colostrum or milk, all of these um, things can potentially bring in infectious diseases onto your farm. So um, it requires a comprehensive kind of uh, look at your own situation and to analyse the risks, a risk assessment pretty much, you know. Mm. And you mentioned the calves. That's a really, really good example, you know, if you're not getting the price for them. Mm. And and as well as that, you know, you'd also talk about the the bull and, you Mm. know, we might rear all our own replacements but you know there might be a bull or two brought into the farm Mm. every year for the breeding definitely and just one final question then um what is your advice for farmers that would have very little knowledge on vaccines what what are the steps they can take to inform themselves well i think for a farmer who wants to maybe learn a little bit more about vaccinations his best point to call initially would probably be his veterinary practitioner um Number one, the vet has the knowledge of all the different infectious diseases. He probably knows how prevalent they are, how risky they are in certain areas and in the country. Um, He'll also probably know a bit about your herd um, and maybe he's been out on call outs to different sick animals um, and he has a bit of an insight into things. He can also advise you on whether you need to do any testing, you know, whether that's a bulk milk test or, you know, better off doing some blood sampling. He'll be able to go, he or she will be able to go through all that with you um, and you can make an informed decision then on what might be the best options for your herd. And I guess to sum up, Neve, I think you've given us a, a bit of homework for the next couple of months. I guess look at dry off, 
body condition score the cows in the next few weeks the silage analysis should be done and then also make sure the spec of the mineral is good enough for the dry cow period and, and indeed talk to the vet and, and, and maybe your advisor on what is the best plan to put in place for mm-hmm. your firm thank you Neve. absolutely thank you that's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Neve Field for joining me on this week's show don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.